The short story is I slid into her DMs. Welcome to season four of the Asian Sewist Collective podcast. This is your co-host Ada checking in because it's been a while. It's been a few months since our last episode was released. And during that time, our team has been hard at work putting together new fundraisers. Go check out our new label collection and our stickers, as well as working on new episodes, recording with new guests and researching new topics. And most importantly, taking time to rest and recharge throughout our recording season, but also over the holidays. During this time, we've been so lucky to meet new guests like the ones we have on today. So we're going to skip the sewing chat this week and get back to that next week and introduce you to our guests, Tina and Priya, who will be talking to us all about knitting this week. And in the few weeks that have passed since we recorded this episode, they've actually decided to go ahead and start their own podcast. So we look forward to supporting them and their new show called Between Two Skeins. Without further ado, here is our interview with Tina and Priya. All right. We are so excited to have our guests in today. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? I'm Tina Say, go by she, her. I'm American-born Chinese, and I'm a knitwear designer. Oh, my turn. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm Priyanka. And I'm Indian. I moved here 2016 for work. And my pronouns are she, her as well. Awesome. Welcome. And thank you for being here today. Can you both share a little bit more about your identity? Like, what are you passionate about, about your identity? And why are you passionate or not about sharing your experiences as Asians and Asian Americans? So I strongly identify with my Chinese heritage. Even though I am American-born, I was raised in a household that only spoke Cantonese. So English was not my first language. A lot of my presence on social media is to advocate and resonate with fellow Asian-Americans and trying to find them around me as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm from India. I'm Indian. I was born in India. I moved for school and work and things like that and ended up here. So I'm very much an immigrant or, you know, someone still not quite in one place yet. And still, still my identity is kind of two things, you know. (laughs) When I talk to my parents, I have like a super Indian accent. And then when I talk to my American friends here, Sound like this. I started sharing my stuff on Instagram because I was just looking for people like me, you know, and, and friends who would have shared experiences or shared interests. And I think when it's hard to like see yourself in the world, it's really important to try to find yourself with people who are like you and the kind of people you want to be around. So that's kind of why I started doing it. <laughs> One of the interesting things that is a common thread throughout nearly all the guests that are on our show are t- is touching on that bicultural identity, whether you were not born in the United States but or wherever and currently live there in North America or a different country from where you were born, or if you were born, you know, like in the United States or, or in North America, but are bringing your family's heritage and culture with you. So I always love hearing the experience that other folks have had, because I have that too. I mean, I didn't speak Tagalog in the house growing up, but I was American born, but I have a a complicated relationship with my Philippine identity. And it's the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't really care what anyone else thinks. I'm Philippine enough, you know, and I I want to learn what I want to learn. But 
it's really cool to hear your experiences. And when we hopped on the call before we started recording, we had a great time. You two have clearly been friends. I don't know for how long, but you know, how did you become friends? Like when did you meet? And then did you meet in the knitting community? <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. So do you want to tell it? Should you I tell it? You're way better okay. at this. The short story is I slid into her DMs. I think you're really starting to become one of the more prominent knitters in the community and designers at the time. And I think it was like an intro post and you said something about yourself, which was you were in Michigan and Detroit. And I was like one of 500 people in her comments being like, I live in Detroit. Let's hang out. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, she like replied to my DM and she was like, yeah, of course. When and where, you know, and I was at the gym and I think I like swiped away from it to get back to my music because I was like trying to get off the treadmill and not die and (laughs) auto sent her a response that said on my way (laughs) 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 this is the most embarrassing way to meet someone (laughs) she didn't freak out and the rest is history we 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 met for coffee and yeah we're friends now (laughs) that was was about three years ago now 2019 yeah, it was three years ago. And we were already knitting, obviously. Yes. You were a designer by then already. And I was, I think I was a novice knitter at the time. I still probably just had made one sweater and it wasn't very good. Can we go back to how you started knitting? Because it sounds like you maybe you started at different times. Obviously, you started separately. So when did you start? And do you now currently knit together? Because... Oh my gosh. For anybody listening, they literally just held up whips. And we're knitting the same, the same thing. thing. We're knitting um, one of my hat designs that's going to be coming out soon. <laughs> yep. So yes, we do knit together for sure. <laughs> so you do knit together now. I guess I'm curious, like, how did you each come to knitting and how did you figure out it was something you wanted to pursue? And I'm just going to give you the context of I have tried to start knitting about 50 bajillion times. And every time I get very frustrated and very tired of counting, and then I give up and I give my yarn and my needles away to a friend. There's counting? (laughs) You have to count? There is counting. Oh my gosh. I would lose, like I could, it's so hard. It's difficult to count. I find I'm like, (laughs) I always lose track. There's no way. But again, maybe you could convert me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before you answer the question, can I just say that happens even if you have been knitting for 20 years? There will be days when like the same like basic hat you go to cast on and you can't cast on 20 stitches you're counting. And I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) You just have to give up and walk away. It's one of those things. But I'll let you answer the question. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I started knitting because my grandmother taught me when I was, I think, around seven or eight. We were doing, like, basic scarves, just one type of stitch, and she would just give me yarn and just tell me to... I mean, she didn't, I don't even remember getting any instructions. She'd just say, cast on X amount and just keep knitting until you stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my grandmother taught myself and my sister how to knit, and then after a while, I didn't touch knitting for a good chunk of my teenage years. And then I went to college for fashion design. I'm originally from New York, from Queens, and I moved to New Jersey for high school. So I wasn't living with my grandmother anymore when we were in New Jersey. So I didn't have a lot of uh, 
knitting time, I guess. It's not like she knit a lot, but uh, I think she would have been more influential in that part. Then I moved back to Queens to live with her when I went to college in New York at FIT. And one semester we had a knitting class. So it's a like manual machine knitting class. And then also a series of like textile courses to learn about different kinds of fabrics, weaves, knits, uh, interface, uh, non-wovens. And I struggled with a sketching class that told me I wasn't allowed to create my own fabric because I was creating and drawing my own types of fabrics rather than just going to a fabric swatch place and just snipping off something that already exists. So I got really pissed (laughs) that my professor told me I wasn't allowed to create something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, isn't that the whole point of designing is like creating something that doesn't. Isn't that the whole point of that school? (laughs) Yeah, I was very confused for sure. And I was maybe I didn't understand him, but all I heard was you cannot do something. (laughs) So when I got into this knitting class, I realized that Knitting was basically creating your own fabric from scratch. Everything from the color you choose to the fiber type, the the yarn construction, all of that from the beginning gets built into a fabric. So I got sucked back into knitting (laughs) and I graduated with a knitwear specialization and picked up hand knitting again. And ever since then, I haven't stopped. So when you're talking about manual machine knitting class, you mean like the thing that kind of looks like a piano keyboard? Or like, were you, okay, because we had someone on two seasons ago, Joy Mao, who's like a designer in Brooklyn, and she thrifted one of the, I think she thrifted it, but I've seen them around Mm -hmm. and she makes hats out of those, or she makes her little like punch card pattern (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the hats to insert onto the machine and then kind of plays it. Yep. So that. Yeah. I actually followed Joy Mao's work. Uh, Love it. I love her work. Love her work. Yeah. She's amazing. I thought you were going to say you have one. I have two. She yes, has, I, I have do. Two. Have her home. I have yes. two. <laughs> yes. Okay, so for anyone who wasn't converted into buying one of these machines from Joy's episode, <laughs> you should <laughs> apparently you should have two. <laughs> I was a little bit confused by when you said manual machine knitting. I'm like hand manual or is it machine is there like a non-manual machine knitter? Yes. Yes, there are computerized industrial knitting machines, which is actually what I am doing now as my career. Oh, that's a whole other field of its own. (laughs) Oh, okay. That is really cool. That is really cool. We'll get to that. I'm curious. Wait, so that's how Tina got into knitting, like when you were seven. Priya, (laughs) you said you were a novice in 2019. When did you start knitting? I was a late bloomer. I started very late. I was, I, I think 2012, I guess, would be the year I could say maybe the first time I ever tried. I was in grad school and it was like in the middle of nowhere. I was very bored between like classes and, you know, I was a student, so I was broke as hell. I wanted a cheap hobby to get into. And my roommate, um, shout out Varsha, who was probably never. <laughs> she was like, I can teach you how to knit. And I was like, Indians know how to knit? What are you talking about? It's not even cold there. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
She was like, oh, yes, we do, actually. And I was like, okay, teach me. And I just like got, I hyper fixated, got obsessed with it. And, you know, I started with like scarves and hats like everybody else. And I took a little longer to ramp up into like garments. It still made me nervous. So I would do a lot of like little accessories. I'd do gloves and all of that. And then just when I started getting into like the sweaters, I, I discovered like there was this whole Instagram, you know, community where there's designers and other knitters who also share their work and just so much more than you could even imagine for it. Like then there's the yarn, the dyeing, the yarn dyers and (laughs) so much to it. So yeah, I started way later and it's never too late. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, in India, I haven't really come across and I I haven't lived there, by the way, now for over 10 years, any meaningful stretch, like besides maybe a week or two of vacation. So things may have changed since my day <laughs> in <laughs> India. But I think crochet, at least where I was in India in the South, was bigger because you could use more cotton and more like plant fibers. And it's very hot, you know, where I live. So breathability is like very (laughs) important but I know sewing is like huge in India so knitting I think maybe some of the colder places like in the north where I'm not from and I Mm -hmm. haven't really lived either they do knit quite a lot and it's very common but I just wasn't aware of it and and interestingly enough I've met so many Indian knitters on Instagram here who have like, they've moved here to the US or somewhere in Europe. And that's when they're in school or when they started working. It's a hobby you can pick up when you have a lot of time (laughs) and a lot of like um, solitude, you know, because it gives you something to be busy with. And I think when you move countries, that's something you end up experiencing a lot of, I don't want to call it loneliness, but mm-hmm. it is, I guess, in mm-hmm. a way, you, there's not a lot of, there's barriers to entry to a lot of things to do, but a craft mm-hmm. like this is very easy to kind of immerse yourself and learn to be with your, just by yourself. It helps with homesickness and things like that, I feel. Mm-hmm. So I've met a lot of Indian knitters through Instagram here. And so my you know, do Indians even knit? It was definitely a very ignorant <laughs> statement by myself <laughs> there. You know, we don't, you know. Were... we don't know. We don't know, right? I literally Googled because so my parents came from Taiwan and they had me and my sister here. And so I Googled like Taiwan knitting just now. I know. And the first like 10 <laughs> things are like how to buy a knitting machine, which we've covered because... <laughs> manufacturing capital you know machinery and stuff Mm. very proud but then there were like two articles from almost a decade ago that are like here's a yarn shop in taipei like there are three of them i was like wow i didn't know that maybe next time i go back i should check those out yeah you have me wanting to google filipino knitting as well because i mean we have all of our own assumptions about our own cultures and so i would have thought the same thing it's really hot in the philippines who's gonna be like making hats and stuff. But I'm curious. I just Googled Filipino knitting and I saw someone about like, I already saw a headline about like a knitting tradition in a particular ethnic community. So I was like, oh, well, I will read that. And I love how, uh, you know, Priya with, with your moving and, and your busyness and how you picked up knitting that, you know, the community itself was a way like Instagram was a way for you to connect with other people. You mentioned it was a sol- sort of a solitary 
activity and something that keeps you busy and grounded alone. But you two are clearly great friends. So what would you want people to know about making friends within the like knitting community or any common hobby that people might have? Well, I have a similar story about moving. I didn't move countries, but I did move states. And moving from New York City to Michigan in the suburbs of Michigan was a very big change. And uh, that is like moving to another country, honestly. I mean, yeah. Like, true. think about it. Yeah. Like, for real. <laughs> I yeah. Went oh, from, yeah. 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 <laughs> from seeing Asians and Asians Americans all over the place to just me. And um, it was definitely a culture shock. Mm-hmm. And um, I also moved to Michigan when a certain someone was elected president. And so being in Michigan was a little scary because I wasn't sure who I could trust, who I could be safe around, Mm -hmm. especially constantly seeing this person's banners and flags everywhere in front of people's homes. They proudly put them in front of their homes and their trucks and all that. And uh, So I definitely knew who to stay away from, which is great because they make it very, very clear where Mm. their morals and their stance is. So I like to spend a lot of time at home because I didn't know how to make friends (laughs) in Michigan, especially because I didn't know there was any Asian people (laughs) around me. So being online and finding the knitting community at that time was perfect for me, too. And that's how we met. But in terms of finding, I think it, because knitting is such a time-consuming hobby, I think you get a sense that other people who do the craft has the same kind of affinity for slowing down, appreciating handmade things, appreciating craftsmanship in general. So in terms of finding other people that have the same type of, not personality, but traits of some sort. Yeah. Vibe. Yeah, vibe. <laughs> there you go. Um, the vibe, the same vibe. Aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Cottage core. <I'm> yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> core. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was much easier doing it that way. And I'm personally an introvert. Same. And so meeting people who do the hobby but like let's say at a yarn store or a library or like in public somewhere I tried those but it's just really hard to open up in those settings for me personally I feel like getting to know someone with a distance of our phones feels safer because I yeah putting myself out there is hard no, I agree. And I think, you know, knitting as a hobby attracts that a certain type of personality, an mm-hmm. introvert, somebody who's a homebody who is able to be comfortable with just themselves, mm-hmm. I think. And so they don't want to go out mm-hmm. and meet people. <laughs> that is the opposite of comfortable. Yeah. I think what you said about like talking online first, that's that's an introvert's way of making friends, I feel, because it allows you to engage safely from Mm -hmm. a distance Mm -hmm. until you feel comfortable to share more openly. I mean, as someone who's moved constantly, pretty much like for school and work, making friends is really hard the older you get because people start to have priorities like families and 
they have their own friend group already. Sometimes it's not even about you. They're busy, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I think it just, you just have to keep doing this, keep putting yourself out there, keep trying. And I think coming at it more from an angle of trying to broaden your horizons a little bit and also seek people that make you feel safe and comfortable instead of just like, I need to make friends. So I have X amount of people in my phone or whatever. I don't know if people do that or feel lonely if they don't do that. Because again, I don't need that. (laughs) But if you come at it from that aspect of wanting to build almost like a your own little community mm-hmm. that way, it makes it a lot less stressful mm-hmm. and it makes it a lot less challenging and difficult. So what I'm hearing is keep sliding into those DMs. Yes. I mean, that's how we became friends. So. That's true. That's why I'm like, this is purely serious. Like, I appreciate the the perspective that like... I think some people think, oh, online friends, not real friends. I'm like, I don't know. I've never met Ada in person. And we are, I would say, pretty close. Like, you know, and the the distance and the ability to sort of disconnect, like enhances that because it's like not wasted time together. I think that's a really uh, important thing to remember about making friends online. But but you're like, I literally have never met Ada. So <laughs> that's cool that you two are just like sitting next to each other right now. I know, now. I'm kind I'm, of jealous that you get to live in the same place. I love that. Yeah, That's awesome. We got lucky. Yeah, yeah. We did. It's funny because we were actually in New York at the same time. Oh. Did not know of each other. Yeah. And then I visited Chicago when she was there, living there. And we also did meet. But then we finally met when we first, because you moved here in 2016 as, as well. well. And I also moved here in 2016. But we didn't meet until 2019. So uh-huh. it's like. Stars had to align. We were like slowly moving to the right, yeah. you know, position. <laughs> to me. I mean, it's kind of funny because I had a very similar experience to both of you because I've moved a lot in my life. I went to two high schools and two colleges. And I mean, all of those were in New Jersey and New York. And then I moved across the country. And then when I moved to Colorado at the beginning of the pandemic, like we knew it was happening. And... My partner is also Asian. And so we knew it was happening. We knew what we were signing up for. And then like being here, especially during lockdown, I was like, I am the only, we are the only ones looking, like literally (laughs) looking around. And, you know, it did help that I have extended family here. My mom has been here for a few years, but that just let me know where the supermarkets were, to be honest. (laughs) Like not anything about which restaurants to go to or like where to go to. Turns out they're all on the other side of the city. And they all require driving. But in since, you know, people have been going out more in the last year or so, I've met a lot of other Asian Americans who have also moved in the last two years, who are also kind of like, we're like all looking around <laughs> trying to befriend each other. But so far, none of them also so I'm just trying to talk them into it. <laughs> we all kind of share similar creative hobbies so we can go shopping together but we aren't in the same sections of the creative reuse store or anything i think it's like really interesting when you think about your identity and where you have lived before and where you're going to and then trying to make a community online or in person because like for example people have connected me to their friends who have moved here and we've texted but we still have not met (laughs) for various reasons I appreciate both of you sharing because that resonates with me and I'm sure it'll resonate with other folks listening. 
I am also curious. We've talked about like how you both got into knitting respectively. Now you knit together in person. Tina, you're also a knitting pattern designer. How did you start designing knitting patterns and how do you kind of approach running your design business? It also happened because I moved to Michigan and I had all this time (laughs) and no friends and going online. and, And I started when I found the knitting community on Instagram, I was sharing what I was knitting and designing because being coming from a knitwear design background, I was like, I can't stop designing. Um, Even though my job wasn't fully like about apparel and sweaters, I was like, I'm still just going to keep making stuff. So I started sharing a lot of what I was knitting online and people kept asking, do you have a pattern for this? And at the time I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) What's a pattern and why do I have to make one? So I found where everyone else was going for these patterns and looking up hashtags on Instagram. And so I finally found out, oh, it's just like written series of instructions on how to make the thing that you're making. But I also just designed on the needles. Like I didn't write any notes. I didn't, it's just sketches and some numbers here and there. And then it comes off the needles (laughs) in my head. Just gorgeous. Um, yeah, Yeah, it just comes off out of my brain. So I had to figure out how exactly to translate what was a 3D item in my brain onto words, basically. And I'm not the greatest at grammar and English and just English in general. You're fine. No. You're great. I'm also not a huge math person either. Going to fashion school, I did grading and... Uh, different sizes of clothing and such, but not having to mathematically formulate the amount of stitches to cast on to X X width and X length and all of that good stuff. So that also was a learning curve for me. And I thought if people were actually interested in what I was knitting, maybe it's okay if I dove into this a little bit. So I released my first knitting pattern. It was a cowl with a kind of a color fade in it. It was in 2017 and it was called a gradient fade cowl. And I was like, okay, if this works out, if people actually buy this and like this, then maybe there is some validity in me spending more time on it. And so after that, I came up with a shawl pattern and then people were actually liking it. (laughs) So yeah, I just had a, a whole series of stuff. And at the time I didn't really know anything about owning a small business at all. So for a while, I was just selling my stuff off of Ravelby, which is what everyone seems to go to. Um, Now I have my own website. But after learning how to do all of that, I was selling everything off of just my name, Tina Say, because I didn't really know anything about small businesses. And now then I started hearing people saying that you have to go register and get an LLC. So I did all that now. (laughs) I have my own website for two years now. And I sell all my patterns off of my website on the side. I still have a full-time job. There is just so much in owning a small business and doing it yourself, uh, learning how to build a website. I use Squarespace, but just getting all that ready and launching it was just a, 
another, it took me a whole like six months just to finish that part before even like putting it out into the world. So it was terrifying. And then I realized that if you stay with that format, if you change it to a different format, you have to do it all over again. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I can't. I'm just going to stick with the same format until I get tired of it. I'm not, I don't have to make a new thing every season or collection or whatever. Yeah. So for me, it is a creative outlet to do patterns. I would love to design knitwear full time one day. She's going to yeah. have her own like brand, like fashion line one day. Tina I say. would love to. <laughs> I did write that in the stars. I was like, okay, on thir- runways yeah. in 2023. <laughs> Right. I was like, it's that manifesting thing. Like if you say it, <laughs> put it out there. Yeah. I'm right here first. Okay. okay, okay. Broke the news on Asian Soist. <laughs> I did write down somewhere that by age 35, which will be in like three years, two or three years um, to have my own knitwear collection or knitwear brand or whatever. Yeah. So I'm trying, I'm trying, but I wanted to expand it into more than just like, Handing patterns. People who know how to hand it is not a large amount of people. It's not, there's a lot of people who don't knit. So I want to be able to provide my knitwear designs to people too who don't knit. So finished garments, but hand knitting a finished garment takes forever. And so, yeah, with my background in manual hand, machine knitting and also being able to computerize industrial knitting machines, kind of utilizing all of that in the future to uh, build my business. That sounds really cool. And Priya, I love how you're there just being her hype person right now. She's my favorite. She does it all the time. I I do wear multiple, I I wear a couple hats in the Tina Say machine entourage. (laughs) Um, I'm a hype person. I'm Uber driver sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my chauffeur her chauffeur yeah. sometimes i'm also like a planted like question asker when she does like panels nice so, like, nice like i have a question tina how would you can you show us the multiple <laughs> ways to wear beautiful shawl you designed and get it rolling you know a little bit <laughs> she does this all without me asking i i, I, was, I was like i wouldn't even think of this stuff that's why she's the well, best person to have in your corner oh, you're the best we're always the best. we're good team, <laughs> yeah, we're good team. <laughs> do you want to show them your patterns and try to is this a good time yeah i yeah. was actually gonna ask you know um priya before we started recording you show you had like you grabbed a stack of stuff and are, are those Tina's designs? And I want you to show them to us. So, and you'll definitely need to describe it because this is an audio medium. But we are recording video, and one day it will get up on our YouTube. But I do want to ask you, Priya, like, how are you involved in Tina's work? So we know you're her hype person. Like, are you involved, like, in her in her work directly, or just not just, just anything that you do is clearly very impactful? Which you two are just amazing. Oh, I'm also a test knitter sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Among one in a group. I'm not the only one doing all of them. But I was going to say something else that you do for me. Shoot. No, I sometimes I, I proofread once oh, in a while. Oh, yes. Oh, name, naming. 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 Pattern. She, she likes to name my pattern. She's so much better at names than I am. No. So much better. <laughs> I think we come up with them together. A wavelength was a team effort, remember? Yes. We were like, we're always on the same 
And then we went wavelength. And yeah, so that's what she's this wearing. Is the pattern. The wavelength so uh, sweater. It's oh, cool. Top down circular yoke sweater um, in DK, which is like a light worsted, uh, medium weight yarn. It's gray. Uh, like a gray purple mm-hmm. main color, and then it has this motif that looks like audio frequency wave. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it's like you knew you were going to be on a podcast today. <laughs> it's like I knew I was going to be on a podcast today, and that the contrast called the wavelengths are in like a dark purple. Mm-hmm. And there's a matching hat, which we're both wearing. No. <laughs> she knit both of these. Yeah. I, didn't I love this hat. wearing any of my designs for some reason. Um, but I don't have to because Priya's got it all figured out for me. She's just, I thought has it all. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll not tell them about how I rolled up to my own house after you showed up here. But <laughs> I was somehow That's- prepared. I mean, you just told everybody, but it's okay. <laughs> Wait, can I ask this sweater, the wavelength sweater? Priya kind of stood up. Is it cropped? Is it all the way to it's the hip? It's a little cropped on me. I don't know if you can yep. sort of tell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a cropped, but I think lots of people did full length, and they would have one more repeat of this one or. Something, something this like one. this yeah. one. Um, yeah. One more repeat of the motif. It's also customizable. She had like charts to put words on instead of just bars. So you what? You know, that was meaningful to yourself. Yeah. So, or, yeah, the pattern has different letters you can knit out, and it comes in the, uh, the pattern comes with the crop length instructions and full length instructions. Hey, podcast listeners, looking for a way to support the Asian Solace Collective? Well, we have a great way for you to do that now, and we are excited to announce our first set of merch. We've launched a limited edition set of woven labels on our coffee page, so ko-fi.com slash Asian Solace Collective, and you can get a pack of five woven labels custom designed by our very own producer, Mariko, with some cute sayings from seasons one through three, like this was a panic sew, forgot to pre-wash, or made with fabric purchased while traveling. And they all have really cute designs on them that you should definitely go check out on our Instagram and on our coffee page. And to get your very own set of five labels, you will be supporting the podcast and helping us bring you new content and new guests week after week. So head to ko-fi.com slash Asian Sewist Collective. So what motivated you to want to include that type of personalization? Like, it sounds like the way that you described it was like, it's, it's something intimate and special. Like, why did you think, like, what made you think about including that as part of your design? I like my patterns to be as versatile as possible because we do spend so much time on the craft and in making garments that if it didn't mean something to you, it kind of felt like a waste of time for me personally as a knitter. And when I was designing this pattern, I was going through like a rough depressive depression and anxiety. I was going to therapy for the first time with my current therapist. And I was just going through a rough time with struggling with full-time job and whether or not I need a side hustle. How hard do I need to work on this? Do I need to do this? Is this worth doing? All that kind of stuff. And so I actually, um, my sample of my wavelength has the words human on the cup, Hmm. just to 
kind of remind myself not to be a robot sometimes and that I don't need to be as well, like capitalism and all that fun stuff that ruins humanity kind of forces us to forget about being human. It has a very special meaning for me there. Just a little little gentle reminder to myself not to be cold-hearted or not to let the world let me be cold. You're not cold-hearted. Oh, come on, Capricorn. You should, yeah, I know. I was going to say that. I literally, I was going to say your next one should say Capricorn. Oh, my God. <laughs> So many letters. It's such a Capricorn thing to say, like, do I need a side hustle? Well, actually, I do, but do I need to work as much on the side hustle? Is 100% Capricorn. Oh my God, you're so right. I didn't even realize that. Oh my God. Do you want to show them the rest of yours? Yeah. So, this is the kittenish tank top. Originally um, a tank top. It's originally a up. Um, Priya improvised and made her own modifications with a little short sleeves. Yeah. Knitter's hack too, I see. Yes. Yeah. And it's this- in this nice, beautiful pink and green yarn. <laughs> Fingering weight. Yeah. V-neck. V-neck. Um, bottom slip up stitch. with slip stitch. Yeah. Like slip so stitch. Yeah. that is super cute. And, and which leads me to like a question because the, the pink and the green is, is making me think of summer, which it definitely isn't in any of the locations we are in <laughs> so do you knit for summery things so this is just me being really ignorant about knitting i'm like you could knit a t-shirt like that but in a lighter substrate right that's is that yes. the right word uh okay uh, yarn fiber yeah yarn yeah fiber so yeah. priya is that like a summery top was it was intended to be oh cool yeah it, it was a summer top yeah. right it was a yeah it was intended for summer yeah. Um, a lot of my test knitters were actually talking about wearing it over like a button up, kind of like a vest yeah. rather Cute. than a tank top. Yeah. So kind of have multi-purposes. Yeah. I personally don't design for a season because I kind of wear my knits all year round, like either under stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, sweaters are hard but um, to wear <laughs> in the summer. But mm-hmm. on like a cool summer evening, you could pull out a cardigan um, yeah. that you might have intended for winter but can still use in the summertime and I think also like real wool has a lot more breathability than people mm-hmm. think so if it's very minimally processed mm-hmm. you can wear like a lighter wool garment even in the summer and not overheat mm-hmm. and stuff but mm-hmm. also you do you do have a summer and I'm actually sitting with it right oh, now yeah. it's a tank top and it's in cotton Ooh, can I test this a cotton well? yarn Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a cotton test knit. There's a cotton tank that she designed. Let's see. It's got like a little stripe detail on the side. Mm-hmm. What is What's this? that one called? Brush of color tank. See, you're really like broadening my horizons about knitting. And and this is like sewing as well. Like this is why you get out and talk to people. You think it's one thing and then it could be so many more things. And it's in this lovely, like not quite bubblegum pink, but like bright light oh, yeah. pink that yeah. gives very warm vibes. A lot of my stuff is going to be pink. It's my favorite color. So. Yes, me too. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of pink in this. <laughs> Although, as I say that, my, my grandma's garden, granny's garden. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like a totally different color. I The, the next design... This so I named this without consulting Priya. <laughs> How dare you? I know, I know. 
<laughs> and I made a huge mistake. So <gasps> it's called the Grandma's Medley. Yeah. It's to honor my grandmother who passed away when I was designing this. Aww. And tell Priya what the name was this of, of this is. I, I think you were texting me about it and you yeah. accidentally said something else. I, I hadn't looked at it in a minute, like the pattern name, and you were we was test knitting it, right? Yeah. And I was like, I'm working on Granny's Garden. And <laughs> and then I freaked out. I was like, Granny's Garden? That's perfect. Why did I name it this? <laughs> the next one. Now we have a yeah. series. Now I have yeah. a grandma yeah. something. Yeah. 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 I'll make a hat. This is like a... I think you meant for it to, it's originally a pullover. Mm-hmm. I once again scribbled outside the lines and made it a cardigan with buttons. Oh, cool. And I think you wanted this to look very like patchwork. So kind of sewing inspired that way if you mm-hmm. think about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's got like patchwork. Yeah. yeah. Color How many different color colors are on this? There's four, so there's okay. a gold yellow that gets, and, and Tina does a lot of fun stuff. So, like, for a knitter to, to work on this is very engaging because you might use the same color but with a different stitch pattern and it looks completely different. Or you might just stripe it with another color and it feels completely different. So this has, like, a dark gray that ended up on my, like, hems and cuffs and a dark, like, swampy green. And then there's the variegated yarn in here that's like shocking purple-ish to like brown for some yeah. reason. <laughs> and this like golden yellow like speckled yarn. That is that really cool. Oh, so cool. I was going for like Halloween witchy, mm-hmm. something like that. But... Autumn vibes. Oh yeah, yeah. fall girl. Fall girl. So yeah. Tina. What what about this pattern was like the homage to your grandmother? Like, tell me about what you how you're feeling. Like, what were you thinking about when you created it? So I got into fashion design because my grandmother worked at a sweatshop in New York City when they still existed, and she was the one who brought me into a lot of making stuff. She would have um, little like metal jewelry things that she had to do. Like she got paid like per price or per piece. Um, She would bring home work on that. And so I've always grown up around a lot of crafting stuff. And because she taught me how to, she didn't teach me how to sew, but I was around sewing a lot. And the patchworking type stuff, um, is something that I've always loved because growing up, I learned not to waste anything. And just being able to use up scrap is something that always fascinates me. So combining sewing patchwork and not wasting anything all comes from kind of my background and growing up with immigrant grandparents and parents. So I wanted to imitate kind of like patchwork in a knitting pattern because I hate seaming. <laughs> uh, but not surprisingly, um, I just I just hate seaming. Uh, even for um, sewing patterns, I don't do seams. I always do things in one piece the best as I can. And so I wanted to create something that looked like patchwork, but didn't have to do all the work of the seaming stuff. So I played with a lot of different kind of slip stitches and striping and color placement to kind of imitate patchwork. I think I wrote this in a caption for one of my 
post on this somewhere that it's kind of like piecing my life back together after losing my grandmother. So kind of a lot of processing my grief and processing the life my grandmother had and, and how that influenced my life and where I am and all of that good stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm not like PMSing or anything because I totally would be crying right now. Oh. Um, hey, <laughs> hey, totally but, cool. Uh, oh but I'm a Capricorn, so I don't cry. <laughs> oh, uh, that explains it. My mom's a Capricorn too. She doesn't. Yeah. She feels she things, but they stay inside. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would cry instead at everything. I'm like a commercial. It was like the dog. You know, I'm crying. Yep. I did want to say, too, that that's a hallmark of a lot of your patterns are very scrappy. You have quite mm-hmm. a few, like, even the one that kind of maybe was your first, maybe what you would call, like, a viral knitting pattern was a home sweet home, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Formula, yeah, yeah. which is, you have it. I do. Oh, my God. Yeah. This, this is, is like my original home coat. sweet home kind of uh, cardigan coat. Whoa. That's, that's cool. Beautiful. And it's just... The most basic knitting stitch that everyone starts out with. Garter. Garter stitch. And just knitting it with increases and decreases, making different shapes, and joining them as you're knitting instead of seaming it after. Because uh, I hate seaming. Mm-hmm. And I there's no way I was going to seam all this together. And I don't even leave in ends. There's still plenty of ends on the inside, which is fine because I'm the one wearing it. Um but yeah, well, thank you for reminding me. I've totally forgotten. Very that. welcome. <laughs> for anyone listening and not watching on YouTube, it is like a lot of different shapes of different sizes and colors kind of joined together in this beautiful motif. Yeah, it's yeah. like Patrick, okay. and I can't see the, the threads from here, and you're the one wearing it. So who cares? <laughs> I am curious because we know from your pattern designs, Tina, that. You also donate to different organizations and mutual aid groups. Can you tell us more about your decision to kind of work that into your business? I think I'm very fortunate and privileged to be doing this as a side hustle rather than my full-time job. And with that, I think comes with giving back to the community because basically the community is what got me to where I am and being able to even do this as a side hustle. If no one was interested in my stuff, I wouldn't be doing this. So Thank you to everyone out there who's ever bought a pattern or supported me on Instagram or just signed up for my newsletter. It was really important to me to make sure that I I gave back in some way. And unfortunately, there's always some kind of tragic thing happening almost every day, every month. And the organizations that I decide to donate to are based off of what was needed at the time. I've donated to Detroit Black farmers communities, organizations that aren't getting the funding that they should be getting, things like Asian mental health uh, collectives, um, because Asians and Asian Americans don't talk about mental health enough. Those wildfires in California one year in 2018, I donated to that because I was also visiting LA. I happened to had a vacation scheduled for LA and I was like, I can't go to California without feeling like I at least not contributing negatively to the place I'm just about to visit. Yeah. Just a lot of um, feeling like I need to do something, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For a time you also had, you used to run an account where you promoted 
other people's like there was a time where I was promoting other designers or small businesses in the fiber craft community that were donating proceeds to organizations at the time. Just making sure people were spending the money where they should be spending, or not should be but to spend it, choosing to spend it to support more wisely. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. yeah for people who, who need it. Yeah, I love that. You do have you do have like a few more pieces, right? Sorry, I interrupted the fashion show. Oh, oh, show me more. Yeah. This okay. is the last one I have. This is like our little. Oh yeah, our little this love is story, the, this right? Is, this is the colorful keepsake shawl. <laughs> wow, it's, it's a, big, basically it's a like a blanket. It's yeah. a triangle-shaped shawl with three different types of yarn mm-hmm. colors, fingering weight yarn with slip stitches and lace stitches and eyelets and garter stitch and. Once All again, it's very pink because it's mine. <laughs> mine had pink in it. Too. Yours had pink too. Yeah, but but this was this also, had a good, this has a this great was story. also we had yeah one color this light blue with like confetti speckles mm-hmm. in it was something oh. you found. Yes. So this yarn. So the long story is in 2019, right before the pandemic, I visited Hong Kong with my fiance at the time with my parents who are from southern china but lived in hong kong for a while and so i went to a yarn store in hong kong they have yarn stores in hong kong even though it's hella hot down there (laughs) and they had a specific hong kong based dyer who had yarn selling their yarn there and what i like to do when i go on vacation is get yarn as souvenirs Oh my gosh, um, so us to do this too. Fabric. Fabric. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, buttons. <laughs> freaking buttons. Project yeah, bags. 100%. Yes. 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 All good ones. Mm-hmm. So I got us, uh, Priya and I, the same color skein yarn, and it was this light blue yarn with red and green and yellow speckles. And very fun. We, I could not for the life of me come up with anything to knit with it. And we were both like, do we pick a pattern? Do we, do I design something? And Priya goes, well, I've never, ever knit a shawl. True. So let, let's make my first shawl your design. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with the name together, Colorful, colorful Keepsake, because it's a souvenir. Yeah. Um, colorful because it is a, a lot of color. And a lot of people who knit this shawl picked some of the funnest co- color combinations yeah. there are out there. You did. So, yeah. we, you did it as a mystery. I did too. And that was oh. very fun. Mm-hmm. So like you, I think, I, yeah. I think that was another way. A lot of people made friends within their hobby because they were all knitting the same thing and they didn't know what it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a fun surprise that we all worked on together. Yeah. And it was also <laughs> a, a, a memory of the pandemic. April. It was around my birthday yeah. too. Yeah. And, yeah, so there's a lot, a lot going on during yeah. that time in the show. But a uh, lot going on in the show. Yeah. yeah, a lot going on in the show. A lot going on during that time. It reflects because with the mystery knit along, there are clues that get released every week or whatever interval the designer picks based off of what they think the time period would be from clue to clue. And in this one, it had four clues over a span of five weeks. So the last week, you can kind of catch up mm-hmm. um, if you didn't catch up. And then there would be like a pattern reveal. 
And at the time, because it was the pandemic and I was doing this purely for selfish reasons too, because I needed to get my mind off of COVID. all the terrible things that were happening with the mm. world and not being able to leave your house, which wasn't terrible for me. So um, the mystery knit along pattern was free for people so that they can just process with process. You. Yeah. Just grieve collective grieving shawl. I guess yeah. this is the next, it could have been the next, <laughs> next, the next one. Colorful keep saying collective no, grieving. No more pandemics. Yeah. No more, <laughs> no more pandemics. Um, yeah. But yeah, so then I, when I re- revealed the shawl, I was like, it's um, the pattern will be free for the rest of 2020. Can I ask a, a my, what might be like a dumb follow-up question? Well, know. first of all, I, I too have gone shop fabric shopping while on vacation and then sent Nicole stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have matching fabric. But also, yeah. as a millennial, how do you wear a shawl without looking like a grandma? Great question. This is, for this her. is the question that she this is she my brings up. Planted question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like legitimate. Like I'm, I'm like that's really cool. I kind of want to make one, but then when there's, am I going to wear it? Yeah. There's so scarf. many ways. Yeah. So it's it's actually as a triangle scarf, it's best to wear it with like the triangle on the front, and you wrap it behind you. So that the little tails will come like underneath the front. So it looks like kind of a, like a pashmina scarf or something. Yeah, yeah. Like a, big, a bandana almost, like a huge bandana. And it kind of works as a scarf or cowl to cover like your chest, which is one of the most important places to, to uh, mm-hmm. keep from being cold. But this is how I normally wear it. Triangle shawls. There's, uh, there's different other shapes, but... Yeah, that's the most, the least grandma-looking way to wear it. You do like the one shoulder one, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. Or like you rotate the triangle over one shoulder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So depending oh, on like ooh, some people, that's like grandma at the art shoulder. museum. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like a cape. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then obviously my, my mom likes to wear her shawls over her shoulder, which is more grandma-like, but kind of I like to wear it like this at home because. Yeah. I don't need a blanket. I just grab a shawl. <laughs> it's like you know that I'm the person who walks around their house with a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I did not Ada, know, get a shawl. I now I have to knit a hat and a shawl <laughs> and a sweater. I know the list becomes endless once you start. You know your queue grows, and you're like, there's just never enough hours in the day to knit. I already have that problem with sewing. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to turn to a question that is more community focused. And both of you have identified as Asian and Asian American. What has your experience been like as an AAPI person in the online knitting community? (laughs) Just kidding. That was a big sigh. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I don't think this is like well known, but it is well known within the knitting community that there was a kind of awakening within the knitting community in 2019 on racism and discrimination within the community. An awakening. Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Hilarious. she comes into the maze. <laughs> 
But, yes. <laughs> um, so that's actually how I found we you, met, actually. Yeah. Um, you were one of the people speaking up. Yes. And, I was you know, very, yeah. very vocal about racism that I have faced in my lifetime and how it's just not okay to let it continue anymore. And everyone goes through this awakening at a different point in their lives. And I think I just had had enough, especially with the president at the time and moving from New York City to Michigan and realizing that no one out here cares about us and in in the most disturbing way possible. (laughs) And um, there, there was no community to support people like me here, not Detroit, but where I, where I am in the suburbs. And so through my vocalness, people were finding me as a Asian American voice within all this. And some people resonated with me. Some people disagree with me. We're not a monolith. And I get it that some people are also okay with upholding systems that are fighting against us, but their choice. And uh, so through that, I found a lot of people were finding me, but then I also got a chance to meet a lot of other Asian and Asian Americans within the Indian community. And then for me, I grew even out into like the sewing space as well, even though I have not sewn since college because college ruined me with the sewing because of fashion design. Yeah. Um, so I haven't touched a sewing machine since. I, I do a lot of hand sewing. I prefer hand sewing, but not a sewing machine. But yeah, so with that, I, I kind of grew kind of my my circles a little bit into like the sewing space, other crafting spaces, um, crocheting, mm-hmm. weaving, yarn makers, yarn dyers, project bag makers, and kind of grew all that. And I love sharing new people that I find just because I feel with my audience that could be beneficial for them. I think it's definitely not been like, I mean, I think the online knitting community tends to, there's very like, at least lately, like in fashion, it's very, there's like trends in it, you know, and there are certain knitwear designers, certain dyers that become popular and everybody wants to do kind of the same a very similar thing and I think you know it's it's been hard at least in the beginning it was hard to find you know any kind of representation of people like us or designs like ours that weren't just I call it like very goopified you know like goop like very like that aesthetic there's a lot of that and I I feel I see it in a lot of maybe even sewing because sometimes I do see some sewing content in my explore and it took me some time to find people like Tina you know and I do see more and more Asian and Asian American and other people of color who are becoming designers it's a very cost prohibitive endeavor to get into I think you know when Tina was talking about our business it probably gave you some idea knitting is very laborious very time consuming very expensive I mean you could really make this cost a lot of money if you decided to get the fleece and card it and then I have a wheel you could spin your own yarn (laughs) and then you knit it and it's just hours and hours and hours of your time into making something that 
at the end of the day, you could probably get something that isn't as special or isn't actually as good, but a close enough copy for like 20 bucks at Target, you know, now. So it's, it's hard to have people of color get into something like that where work already tends to be exploited more, copied, ripped off more, appropriated more. And then we generally are the ones who don't have the time and energy to sit down and pursue these creative endeavors as a side hustle. Like you really have to be in a position of a lot of privilege to be able to do that. And traditionally, you know, minorities, people of color don't have that. So for me, it's been kind of trying to find where I can, as a user of this community, yeah, not community, whatever, like in, in the yarn shop of the internet, I'm one of the customers. I try to find <laughs> people like me to try and uplift and bring forward because I think your designs are very special and unique. You have a very mm-hmm. specific point of view and perspective in the world and it comes out in your patterns and like it's not just about well right now balaclavas are in so <laughs> let's make one <laughs> you know it's very to who we are and that doesn't change in a fast fashion mm-hmm. sort of discardable way so for me that's been my experience it's taken some work but we're out there you just have to look yeah. you just have to try to not kind of get sucked into the yeah stream of everything's going this way so let me just do the same thing you know <laughs> and with everyone being more open about like a lot of times people were afraid of talking about their identity online because you could get targeted people might hate on you because you are of x identity and a lot of people were hiding themselves from their work because they didn't want people to associate their great work with them being a person of color. So through other people being more open and showing their faces, which is for me very important is to show my face so that I can show people to not be ashamed of showing their face too. And I see a lot of Asian Instagrammers in the knitting community who are still afraid of showing their face. And of course, no, no shame in that, but that comes from years and years of society telling you that you're not important and that your identity is easily erasable. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to like, um, for me to, to still keep showing my face. And the idea being too behind that of like, if you're, as homogenous or like as a, as much of a default blank slate, let's call it type of person or seller, let's say in this community, if you're trying to make money in this business, it the idea and the intention, I think in most industries you would see is that if you are not a person of color, it is easier to get your product in front of eyes. It is easier to sell it takes a lot to stand up and say, this is who I am. This is what I made. And it's, this is me in what I'm putting out in the world. And so I think we're seeing more of that. That's almost 98, 99% besides the likes. I'm not above getting some likes. Because (laughs) 99% of the reason I ever post any of my projects online is because I 
want people to think like me. They knit in India? Like what? (laughs) (laughs) It's hot. (laughs) Indians everywhere. There are Indians everywhere. They're not just in India. We we, we get cold too out here in Michigan. (laughs) I think it's been interesting being more visible in the online knitting. I've had a largely positive experience. I think you... I've had some negative ones just because I was very vocal about the things I was saying. And it comes with the territory and I've grown a tougher skin on top of my New Yorker skin, (laughs) online skin now. But but yeah, I, I it's just about setting boundaries. And then that comes with understanding mental health and making sure that you set those boundaries, even not just online communities, but in your day-to-day life. I will say it has been very fun to see like the online knitting community in person because she is like a celebrity. Oh my God. I have seen oh. people scream at the sight of Tina Say. <laughs> 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 this is why I forget this stuff. Because I don't, so we know I that if we meet you in person, we're just going to like scream at you. It's going to be like, yes. See, I yeah, told you. I told you. I, this time I'll have my phone out. So I have proof, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. It's a new <laughs> hashtag. It's like Tina say spotted. <laughs> yeah. She's going to oh, finally, no. she's going to finally get to Rhinebeck, which is this big fiber festival <gasps> for yeah. New in upstate New York. You're yeah. going to get mobbed. It's like a big thing. She's going to get mobbed. She's going to be mobbed. You're going to be her bodyguard. <laughs> you know what? I have been working out more. So. Yeah. <laughs> you just like check someone who gets too <laughs> Thank you. I think those are both very thoughtful responses to systems of oppression that both perpetuate themselves on our communities and within our communities. I know just as a fellow API small business owner that I've been told that like my brand is too Asian or like whatever by people who are within the community. And so it's dismantling that I think is something to be proud of and that both of you are clearly working towards and proud to celebrate on Instagram and elsewhere. And so my last question for you is that we've been kind of going back and forth about this like overlap-ish of knitters and sewers all episode long. And as I mentioned, I have tried knitting a bajillion times and I can't stick to it for more than like 10 minutes. So my question for you is, our listeners are predominantly Asian sewists. So what would you want them to know about knitting? It's a lot slower. (laughs) I think so. I think think knitting is a lot slower than sewing. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's a lot slower than sewing. It's... What's an average for a sweater like? A month. A very basic sweater. If you worked on it every like day. every day after work for like six hours until you go to sleep. I could do a medium one like a week. Oh wow. Okay. But that's really I'm a very loose fast knitter somewhat. I knit really tight. You are you are very you yeah. you knit pretty fast too though. But mm-hmm. but basically at least a month for something more detailed. It's a lot slower, but Mm-hmm. It's a lot more customizable, I think. As Tina said, what drew her to it, right? Is you get to create your own fabric. Mm-hmm. You really get to mm-hmm. play with yeah. construction mm-hmm. of garments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think knitters, at least like 
I could maybe I should speak for myself or not as particular or mindful of like things like measurements. Cause we'll just kind of go like close enough because <laughs> I know when you sew, you have to measure twice and then cut, right? Yeah, you can't grow the fabric. <laughs> no, yeah. So like if I messed up, I would just rip it back and then try to fix it that way. You can kind of, I mean, you could technically in sewing too, but I'm sure it's a lot. Ripping seams are annoying yeah. if I remember it's a lot. You my remember college. correctly. Correct. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Ripping seams is a nightmare. <laughs> I hate you already it. said you hate seaming, though. So. Yeah. I, I know. That's true. That's true. Ripping seams is almost cathartic at that point. But uh, And then some fabrics are just not forgiving, like satin and anything. Oh, man, I made a taffeta prom dress. I made my own prom dress. Yeah, it was nice. It was ruched in the center with a halter top and a, like a mermaid bottom. Oh my god, what was I thinking? Um, it was the time. It was that was, was that solid early two thousands prom dress. That, yeah, it sounds yep. like we were in the two thousands, and that yep. was Yale. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think just knits are really forgiving. So you could always wash, block manipulate the fabric because it's designed to move and stretch um it's not like a woven that has um locked in spaces i think knitting is more transportable you can do this anywhere yeah take it with you um i think it's it doesn't have to be expensive to get started in Mm -hmm, knitting mm -hmm. you really just need two sticks and some kind of fiber string yeah. (laughs) yeah And you can get going. So I would say it's worth trying yeah. once. And I think mm-hmm. I would recommend a hat because I think that's much more fun as a beginner project. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot smaller too than a scarf. It's much more instant gratification. So if you're trying to get into knitting, mm-hmm. I would suggest a hat. And it's very easy to make a very cute hat because it's just a circle that kind of like gets smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so it's very easy to, you could drop stitches, mess it up, do whatever you want, and it'll still look pretty great. <laughs> I think one thing about sewing, though, that is very beneficial for knitting is um, a lot of sewists know their measurements very well. They're really in tune with their measurements. Some knitters are not in tune with that. So going from being a sewist to a knitter in terms of making garments would be a lot easier with just a little bit of simple uh, math to figure out how many stitches per your measurements. Um, so that's at least would be an easy transition in terms of knitting garments. Of it. So hats. TLDR, me and Nicole need to make hats. Hats. Make a wavelength hat. Yeah. It's, it's a very easy pattern. It's mm-hmm. bulky yarn. So it's like, what, three hours yeah. max? Boom, done. You say that like we are, we know <laughs> what we're doing. So. Is your three hours like my 15 hours? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, for real. My niece, I taught her to knit. She's like, when I taught her to knit, she was 12. And we made a bulky hat, which is this weight. And she was done, I would say maybe six hours. And that was with a lot of complaining from her. So <laughs> you have to build in time for the complaining. That's really good yeah, to know because yeah. I will definitely complain. Yeah, you will get the hang of it. There's a learning curve, but I think yeah. 
you'll get the hang of it pretty quickly. Once you do, then it just becomes very meditative and it's very repetitive. Big projects are fun for that reason, because you can kind of like, if you have like a sweater and you're done with like the complex part is usually like up here or like putting the sleeves or, you know, the design would probably be mostly on in the yoke. And then once you get to the body, you usually just have like a few miles of stock in it. So you can just literally Netflix and just not even look at it and just keep going with your yes. hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what we do when we knit together. We watch something and we're like, oh, my God. Yep, yep, yep. We definitely can't do that with sewing our hands. Sewing. Yeah, no. No. Like, you can pay attention. You'll sew your finger or something like yeah. real bad. So I've sewn my fingers plenty of times. <laughs> Oof. Ooh, oh. Oh, tough times. Anyway. <laughs> I've been there where like you're hand sewing and you just, you just clip your finger a little bit and you're like, oh, well, I guess that's part of the garment now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, am I though? I don't know. Maybe someone's wearing these garments. No one needs technical seems. <laughs> well, the knitting well, version of that is that my hair and my cat's hair will be <laughs> interwoven. Yeah, it's all <laughs> DNA evidence everywhere. <laughs> you're like here's a hat it's a present but some of me is and my cat are both (laughs) that's just what you have to accept sorry to say i have a bichon freeze and my mother-in-law has wanted to like has like the had the idea to try to like spin his hair he hasn't done she hasn't done it but she's like i bet you could spin his hair because it's soft and it's hair it's not and it's curly too anyway yeah. We've gone off the rails, my friends. We're actually just like that. And I know there are people who, who spin cat yes. fur into yarn mm-hmm. and then they knit with it. It's wild. I've seen ho- like dog mm. fur done. Tina, so, your face. Tina's like, I naturally will go in there. I don't need to spin it on purpose. Correct. Well, I've had a great time meeting the both of you and learning about knitting. I think I've appreciated even more just learning about the community and and your friendship. We're not really a how-to podcast, right? We're a who are these people podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I'd love for you to remind our listeners where they can find you on the interwebs or anywhere else you could scream at Tina when you see her. So let's go with Priya first. I'm on Instagram at pizza very so pizza and then v-e-r-i it's I don't know because I like pizza and kind of my last name starts with the last two letters of pizza and then I'm on Ravelry which is knitting whatever community basically a pattern library but I don't really use it but it's under the same name and if you explicitly use that I guess you could look at some of my projects there too <laughs> Let's go with the <laughs> the more important. Oh, stop it! <laughs> oh man, I'm doing for listeners. I'm doing the Will Smith meme hands. <laughs> oh man, um, you can find me on Instagram at tina dot dot net and then you can find my patterns on my website at tina t s e and you could also find me on the making app with the same Instagram handle, tina.say.nits. I can't even say nits today. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Asian Sewist Collective podcast. 
If you like our show, please consider supporting us on Coffee by becoming a one-time or monthly supporter, or by buying our stickers and sewing labels. That's right, we have merch now. Your financial support helps us with overhead expenses and will allow us to give back to our all-volunteer team who work so hard to provide you with new content each week. The link to our coffee page is ko-fi.com slash Asian Sewist Collective. And you can find the link in our show notes on our website and on our Instagram account. Check us out on Instagram at Asian Sewist Collective. That's one word, Asian Sewist Collective. And you can also help us out by spreading the word and telling your friends. We would also appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All of the links and resources mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes on our website. That's asiansewistcollective.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us with your questions, comments, or even voice messages if you want to be featured on future episodes at asiansewistcollective at gmail.com. This episode was brought to you by your co-hosts, Ada Chen and Nicole Angeline. This episode was researched by Serena Granger. Produced by Ada Chen and edited by Serena Granger and Henry Wong. Thank you so much to the other members of our collective for making this week's episode a reality. This is the Asian Sewist Collective Podcast, and we'll see you next week.